Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live.
and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right, T2Q radio show number 670 starts right after a word from a few of my sponsors. Now you are online and in business. Why not take it further by building your own economy? The evolution with business and social media has entered its most revolutionized phase. 21stCenturyEconomy.com. That's the number 21. 21stCenturyEconomy.com. Listen to The Crystal Show for celebrity gossip, amazing interviews, musical guests, and the most fun to be had on internet radio. Check out the past and new podcasts at thecrystalshow.com. I go on and on, can't understand how I last so long. I must have the superpowers, last 223,000 hours. Visit DeleteCredit.net. If you need help with your credit and have issues with your credit, check out Delete credit.net that's d-e-l-e-t-e-c-r-e-d-i-t dot n-e-t delete credit.net mark antich credit counseling has been in business for 15 years and has helped thousands of people fix their credit you can sign up for free at the website or if you want a free credit consultation also i highly recommend you contact them for your credit repair issue that's delete credit.net delete credit.net go get your credit fixed now All right, my thanks to 21stCenturyEconomy.com, TheCrystalShow.com, and DeleteCredit.net for being supporters of the Talk to Q Radio Show. 347-202-0215 is the number, and I will go ahead and get to my guest. She is a certified matchmaker and a dating coach over at Middle Class Matchmaker. Um, I recently came across something that was posted in a group about her um, opinion on dating and black women and things of that nature, and I thought I'd try to get her on the air. She's also also an author of a book, There is a Lid for Every Pot, A Dating Guide for Single Professionals. You can get that on Amazon. Please welcome from the ATL, Miss Shay Promise. Good to talk to you at this show. Shay, how are you doing? Okay, thank you for having me. I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing well, and I appreciate you taking the time to join the show. So let's get right to it. And I mean, how did you how did you get involved in this line of work? I mean, why did helping people find love become important to you? Um, well, after I found love, I looked around and realized I had so many friends who were single, and I'm talking about my my surrounding friends are highly accomplished, well-educated, successful, handsome, Mm -hmm. beautiful, and single. And I just wanted to do something to help them. Okay. So um, after you got started, I guess, um, I guess you gained some traction and decided to get into the matchmaking deal. But um, how long have you been doing this? Officially two years. Okay. All right. So the idea for the book. Now, um, I haven't had an opportunity to to read the book yet. I just glanced at it on Amazon and read a little bit on it. And it's called There is a Lid for Every Pot, A Dating Guide for Single Professionals. What gave you the idea for the book, first of all? What made you decide to do that? The title came, but this is old Southern saying. I remember being a little girl at church. And seeing a woman, really tall, heavy set woman, and her husband was short, 
and slim. And I remember Mm -hmm. looking at my mom saying, look at that big old lady with that little bitty man. And she said, Shay, there is a lid for every pot. And I've always remembered that, that there is someone for everyone. And you can't, sometimes you can't look at a person and know that that's who they're with, that that's who they should be with. And um, that's really stuck with me. And so this book is really um, my effort to try to reach more people. I mean, I can only coach so many people at a time. But with the book, it allows me to have access to more people um, in other states, in other counties, in other cities, in other countries. They can read the book and get help as well. And it really is um, tips and, you know, things that I share with my clients, um, affirmations, activities that really help you to um, discover what has been holding you back and keeping you from attracting the love in your life. And then what you can do to to uh, make it happen to manifest that. Okay. So, I mean, just in your personal opinion, are most people single because of things they need to do, like something self-inflicted? Single people, why they're single, um, it's always somebody else. It's because these men aren't serious right. or these ladies are playing games. It's never They never really focus on themselves. If you ask them, what happened in your last relationship if he did this or she did that? I mean, you could just try it yourself, and you'll see that it's really a pattern of blame versus introspection versus saying, I really need to work on X. I have trust issues. I am too picky. I am, you know, people rarely, right. rarely do they take the blame and own it. They always point it to someone else, and that's what I find disturbing. But it lets me know that it's something that we really need to work on. And what I tell them is when you look at your last five relationships and what happened with each of them, the only common denominator is you. And I'm not saying that it's your fault he cheated or it's your fault she cheated. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Mm -hmm. you attracted that person into your life. Either there was a lesson you needed to learn or you attracted that person because you had some same like quality. You know, there is you. Right. You attract. We attract. We attract the people in our lives. So we have to take ownership for that. And um, if you don't learn the lesson, you will repeat it. And if you don't do the work that's necessary, you're going to continue to have the same result. That's the de- definition of insanity. So I, my book is, and really, what I try to do is help people to look at themselves, um, do like a self examination, and and let's mm-hmm. let's fix these things, let's stop doing these things, let's create new habits and change our thoughts so that we can attract the right love into our lives. Okay. That's the hardest thing to do, to get people to look at themselves. Oh, my goodness. And today's society is very difficult. So, all right, as far as dating itself, have the rules of dating evolved? Uh, I mean, how how is dating different than maybe 10 years ago, or maybe it's not different? Um, what's your, what do you think about that? It's drastically different. It's drastically different. You can talk to someone who got married 10, 15 years ago, and now they're back on the dating scene, and they are lost. It's not like they can't meet somebody like they did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and especially now with social media, dating sites, texting, that changes the game um, because 
you know, now everybody is more visual. So you have with social media and dating sites, I mean, you have women scantily clad posting pics all day or men posting uh, gray sweatpants pictures. I mean, you know, it's, it's thirst traps right, that right. are being set constantly, and it just changes mm-hmm. the game, uh, this whole texting culture. Um, there's so many new things. These are the kinds of things I talk about in my book. There's so many new things that are happening today that weren't happening yesterday that makes it, um, you know, difficult to navigate if you don't know, if you're not aware or prepared. Um, Also new in this culture is uh, this whole fallback culture, which is, you know, if you don't say what I want you to say or you do what I want you to do, I just go ghost. You just don't hear from me anymore. It's a total lack of communication. It's just, oh, next. You know, it's just there's so much. There's so many differences in in dating today uh, than there, than it was yesterday. Very different. Yeah, people are always looking for an upgrade. That's for sure. Um, always. Now, now you mentioned um, the thirst traps and things of that nature. Now, men has men have always been categorized as being visual creatures. Are women more visual now because of social media? You think? I definitely think it's it's added. I mean, you. You can talk to people who've been married 30, 40 years, and, and a lot of times the lady will say, I wasn't even attracted to him. He just rubbed off on me. That is actually, <laughs> that thought process is becoming more and more um, a minority thought process because most of the times when I talk to ladies about, um, you know, I say attraction grows, don't focus on that, they're like, oh, no, if, if, he's, if I'm not attracted to him, we can't even go out. I'm not even going to have a conversation with him. It's very different. And I found, oh, that's a shift. Because typically ladies aren't as, we're not as um, focused on that. We're more focused on how he treats you and, you know, that that kind of thing. But I'm hearing more and more ladies become um, very focused on attraction and physical features and, you know, he's got to look like this. And overall, singles are picky, pickier. Um, right. On picky on looks, yes, but picky on a lot of things. Okay, and um, I know as a guy now, like if, if you're not rocking a beard, you're already at a disadvantage. <laughs> it's beards, so. it's tattoos, you know, it's new things. Yeah. It's like you know, he's got to be, you know, in the gym on swole. Um, right. Chocolate one week is chocolate, next week you got to be light skin. I mean, it just it varies, you know what. What's important, yeah. but you're right. It's very hard to keep it up. It changes just not, like the trends on Twitter. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And and that's the thing, like, there used to be, it used to not matter. I mean, you think about your grandparents, your grandmother. I mean, she just she just said, this is a hardworking man, I'm going to marry him. And he said, that's a good, wholesome woman. She's going to have me some babies, and I'm going to marry her. It was just basic. You mm-hmm. have the basics. You know, and right. now it's so much more, so much more that you need to have to even be considered. Okay. And I'm have a couple of callers holding. I'll get to them in just a second. Now, um, okay. as far as people's focus, since we're talking about their focus now, um, as a single person, should you focus on what you lack uh, when it comes to you being a good mate, or do you focus on – maybe like what the other person does well? I mean, where do you kind of look when you try to find that perfect person for you? Well, you know, part of what I do as a dating coach is help people to assess 
what they need, what they want, and what they require. And what that means is, you know, there's there's a series of assessments we do and, and coaching sessions, but what happens during those sessions is to really evaluate um, your – everybody has ingredients that they need. And when I talk about ingredients, that's like in, your recipe for for uh-huh. your per, for what makes a perfect compatible situation for you. And so it's understanding your strengths and weaknesses, and it's it's matching with someone whose strengths are your weaknesses. Your weaknesses are their strengths, and that's really what makes a good relationship. A lot of times when people connect. It's I like red, he likes red. I like spaghetti, he likes spaghetti. I like sports cars, he likes sports cars. And that doesn't necessarily make a good match because you like the same right. things. Um, when you're in a relationship and, you know, when things when things start going going south, what makes it strong is, okay, I'm weak here. Okay, I got you. Okay, I'm weak here. I got you. It's the teamwork. It's partnership. It's helping each other out in all aspects, and that's what we don't do typically. It's, you know, we typically find somebody who is just like us, and if they're just like you, you will find that you're going to have some, some places where you neither one, your bases aren't covered here because neither one is strong in this, these areas, important areas like finances and decision-making. I mean, if both of you are indecisive, no decisions are going to get made. If both of you are poor your finances, what are you going to do? You know, it's it's like things like that that people don't look for. Okay, very good, very good. Makes a lot of sense to me. And so let's talk about, I guess, culture, so to speak. Like, do like races or ethnicities experience similar problems when it comes to dating? Like, is there like a certain set of problems that black people tend to have, a certain set of problems that white people tend to have, so on and so on? Oh yeah, it's very different. And my my white matchmaking counterparts, I mean, when we speak about our different scenarios that we have, it's like we're speaking two different languages. They don't have the same issues I have <laughs> for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. In our community, there is such a focus on finances. I mean, it's huge. Whereas it's common, you know, and, and let's let's not lose sight of the fact that systematically our people are at a disadvantage typically than, than, than our white counterparts, you know, financially. We might be first-generation college students. They might be three or four generations. You know, so I, I'm, I'm aware okay. that we're not level. Right. I'm aware that if there's, you know, not equality, you know, th- you know, John just, he's working at his dad's business. He's carrying, he already has a job when he graduates from school, whereas you've got to figure out what it is you want to do and find a job that makes right. money. You know, I know that our roles are different, but that makes a difference in dating because we're so focused on money. If I'm a first-generation college student, I definitely am focused on marrying someone who won't send me back to the hood if that's where I'm from. You know, it's a very different focus. And we have mm-hmm. different issues in our community because of educational disparities and economic disparities and differences with the criminal justice system. You know, our men are getting locked up at larger, you know, rates, and our men aren't um, making the same kind of money as white men, and our men aren't as educated as white men or as sisters. So, yes, it's very, 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 very different when we talk about black and white. Um, The data, So that's that. We have more um, overweight. Women, as you know, obesity is is, is large is largest in the African American community. Um, mm-hmm. So between between our brothers being arrested, our ladies being obese, um, 
you. We have other. We have lots of differences. Um, if you just think about, oh, the celibacy, that's huge. My white counterparts don't have women who are walking around saying they're practicing the 90-day rule or they're celibate until getting married. It's, that's, a, that's largely an African-American female thing. So when I have clients who are, you know, celibate, that's their choice, but I have very few men who are celibate. I mean, they're just, we don't have black men who are celibate these days, you know, so right, we have right. a lot of issues, very lot of differences between our races for sure. Okay. Now, one of the things you mentioned, um, or at least you're on record as saying, and I know my host cue is going to light up as far as this is concerned, you're on record as saying that black women in particular aren't open enough when it comes to dating. And you said that they should be more open, even if it includes considering men who once had same-sex relationships. Is that true? Well, let me clarify that because I wasn't okay. suggesting that black women date bisexual men. Let me clarify that's not what I said, and that wasn't my suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that was a, a play on the, on the title to get more people to click as they did, but that's not what I actually said if you actually read the article. What I was saying was if I met a man who shared with me that he had one isolated same-sex experience, let's say back in college, and he realized that it was not for him, he was only interested in women, he had never been with a man since, and he'd only been dating women since, it would give him a chance. Um, And I also said that you have largely in our community – we have a lot of women who experiment with same-sex situations. We have women who experiment with um, other women, threesomes, um, et cetera, right. and then fully expect to get married, have kids, and go on about their lives, and brothers are just not given that same opportunity. Um, that's what I said. I did, I did say that it is, it is a double standard for sure in our community. Okay, okay. All right, will you mind if I take a couple of phone calls? Oh, yes. Let me go to the 517 area code in the Motor City of Detroit to welcome on someone who's an author herself, Ms. Crystal Hickerson. What's going on, Chris? Thank you. How are you? Hello, Shay. Hey, how are you? Great. And go ahead if you had a question or or comment or or, or something. Well... (laughs) Uh, first of all, I am glad you clarified your stance on the um, homosexuality uh, trend for um, what you were saying about black women, uh, because I think um, I think a lot of women, whether black or white, would um, take issue with um, you opening up and saying that women should open themselves up to um, homosexual men or bisexual men Um, because I look at that as like settling for a man. So I'm glad, you know, you kind of said that that wasn't really your stance. So, but I I get what you were saying. Yeah, I get what you were saying. So thank you for that clarification. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So um, quick question for you, you personal crystal. I was going to say, as far as if a guy did have a one-time thing in college, would you be okay with that? You know, here's my take on that, on on, uh, homosexuality or bisexuality between the differences between the um, men and women. I feel that a lot of times with 
women, because of who we are uh, biologically and culturally, we tend to be a little bit more intimate with each other. Uh, We hug, we kiss, we um, just as friends. And sometimes that intimacy can appear to be more than what it is or maybe even that whole experimentation that you do, you know, as you've heard, like in college, a woman experimented with her sexuality or whatever, um, is a little different than when a man does it. Uh, I think when, and I could be wrong, and I'm open to opinions on that, but I think that when men do it, it's not so much experimentation as it is exploring who they truly are. I think there's a difference between the the, the male and, and, and female sexes when it comes to um, sexuality on that level. So that's just, that's just my take on it. So if a man says, I've had sex with another man, but I'm I'm all better now. <laughs> that was just something I did, and uh, I I haven't done I haven't oh, done it again. Um, I think that would be a different kind of a take than if a woman said, maybe I I, I did some things or whatever in college or whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm all better now. I mean I don't know, and I could be I could be wrong for that, but I just personally, if I heard that from a potential mate. I would politely say thank you very much. Thanks for playing. But we're done here. Um, we can be further. <laughs> well, we are done here. I would just say that um, most men know that that's what women would say, and they probably wouldn't share that with you at all. So you may not ever sure. know that that's sure. what happened. I don't think there's a difference between a woman experimenting with a woman and a man experimenting with a man. And listen, I'm not pushing bisexual men on women, uh, nor am I pushing bisexual women on men. But I just, I'm just calling a spade a spade. Um, you know, if she's bisexual, so is he. If she's healed, delivered, whatever, so is he. I'm just saying it's the same. I don't think there's a difference. There, because you know, there are some women who've never experimented with women, just like there are some men right. who've never experimented with men. Um, you know, so I just think it's all the same. And but we men are men know that women are not open to that, and so they may not right. share that. And I would want my mate to tell me, you know, um, because I think that's a. And I was just simply saying that allow people to have the discussion, ask people the questions like. How long ago was it? Is it something you still desire? Do you? Is it something you still need? Because to me, that's what would make the difference. If you said, you know, it was 20 years ago, I never thought about it again, that's different than I think about it often, you know. Um, I did it, last <laughs> it was last week. week. <laughs> yeah, that's very different to me. But, that, you know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, I, you okay. know what? I agree. I agree that, yeah, uh, with society and with our cultural uh, differences, and with, I think a lot of men probably would not just on a normal basis or right away, which is why a lot of bisexual men tend to, they have their, they get married, they have children, or, you know, and then they don't admit their gay feelings until maybe even 10 to 20 years into their marriage and then they decide to say, I have to be who I am, 
and I'm gay. So, yeah. it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And I, I know I know so many women who have been able to experiment and decide that's not for them and share that with their mate. And it's such a freeing experience, right, to be honest, to be 100% transparent and have their man say, okay, babe, I believe you, I love you, um, let's do this. Let's get married and move on and have kids. You know, that's just such a freeing experience. And I would like to say, now, let me say I've never – I've never been with a man who shared that with me, so let me clarify. I haven't experienced that personally, but I would hope that I would be open to it if if someone did share that with me because I don't think it's fair, to be honest. Okay. All right. And so let me ask you this, um, because there are a lot of things that make it difficult for, and I'm speaking of black women in particular, and make it kind of difficult for them to date with guys being, un, black men being undereducated, um, a lot of us in jail, um, a lot of us maybe not honest about our sexuality. And another thing is um, having children. Uh, how do you approach someone who may be put off by a guy that has a certain number of children? Is there a certain limit um, that people should suggest? Uh, I mean, how do you approach that when dealing with black women? Oh, well, you know, I, would, I wouldn't just stop at, you know, how many kids you have. I have six. Next. It would be more... Again, ask more questions. How old are the children? Are they all for one woman? Were you married to that woman? I mean, because it's very different if he's got six and they're grown up, you know, or he's, you know, he's got six from his ex-wife versus I've got six for six different women and they're from ages five to two. I mean, that's a different story. You know what I mean? So I would just right, ask, right. ask more questions, more probing questions, and understand. And and two. If he if he if he got you know if he did this fifteen years ago twenty years ago you know if he's grown and he's a different person today you know so I don't know that I would necessarily dismiss him but that that tends to be you know kind of where I sit you know people grow and change all the time and you know just hear them out ask more questions versus what we have going on in our culture as you know eighty five percent of our women have never been married so what we have going on is Women who are highly qualified and make great wives and great moms, they're not getting to that point because they're dating to eliminate. That's what I say versus dating to mate. So as soon as they meet you, you say something that they don't want to hear, next. <laughs> and it just continues. And you can find somebody who's had 60 dates in a year, and none of them went past the first date. And I would say, let's stop. Let's stop right there. Let's figure out what's going on. What do we need to change? Don't let's not continue to do that. Um, and and Crystal brought up a great point on settling, and I, I would like to talk about that because a lot uh-huh. of women make lists, laundry lists. Let's say it's got fifty things on it. I make this laundry list of fifty things. If I don't get all fifty things, I'm settling. And I would say that's not necessarily true. Just because you write a list of 50 things, he's got to be six feet tall, make six figures, drive a Mercedes, live um, on this side of town, have these kind of teeth, this kind of hair, this kind of skin. That doesn't, and you don't get that. That doesn't make you settling. Maybe some of the things on your list are unrealistic expectations. Let's look at the list. Um, why do you require him to be chocolate? Why is that a requirement? Why, why does he have to have curly hair? Let's, I mean, let's look at some of the things on your list 
does he really have to make $150,000 a year specifically? Like, let's look at it and let's determine if some of these things can be negotiable. Um, What I think is settling is choosing to be in a situation where you're being mistreated. I think if you are in a relationship where you're not being loved, you're not being honored, you're not being respected, you're being cheated on, beat on, lied on, I mean, that's settling. You deserve more than that. You you deserve better than that. If you make a hundred thousand and he makes seventy, is that settling? I don't think so. You know, and so I, I would I would like to look at these lists and let's talk about let's talk about your requirements and your needs. Are those real needs or are they wants? And so if you don't get all of your wants, is it really settling? I don't think so. Okay. Very interesting, very interesting. All right, I appreciate that. Let me go to the 850 area code down in Pensacola, Florida, and welcome on, Buck. Buck, what's happening? What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? Glad to have Shay on tonight. Doing well, man. You have a question for Shay? Yes. um, um, I think you kind of answered it earlier, but uh, what do you say to women out there that, you know, like one that's been – um, by herself now for I know one particular friend that I have here she's been single for now for 10 years and you know I actually went to a birthday celebration with her just to kind of see what she does What do you, and, and she was complaining about every single guy that people that she knew possibly date and she had a had some kind of complaint about every single one of them and you know she went home by herself what do you say to a person like that to help them get, you know, kind of not prejudge somebody and just actually take a chance? Well, yes, great question, and I see that so many times, to be honest with you. And what it is is fear. At the end of the day, it's fear. We build these walls to protect ourselves, these walls up, and we become super critical, finding fault in everybody. I mean, if Jesus walked up to us, you would have a problem with it. It's going to be, oh, he's too short, he's too tall, he's too skinny, he's too fat, he's too dark, he's too light. It's going to be something wrong with everybody. And it's all because I don't want to get hurt. I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to get hurt. So I'm going to find something wrong with you so you can't get close to me. It all boils down to fear. And so that, you know, that's a process that we have to work through. And a lot of times you'll see that manifest with women too, that fear can manifest as anger, bitterness, bitchiness. It comes across like that, but it all boils down to fear. Have you ever, um, I heard a friend tell me a story about a horse that wouldn't let anybody ride her, wouldn't let anybody touch her, um, and everybody thought, that's just a mean old horse. And she bought the horse, and she said, I understand this horse. This horse is hurt. And so she just kept on loving on the horse. No matter what, the horse would kick out, the horse would run, she just kept on loving on the horse. And so finally the horse would let her pet her, her, brush her hair. She could ride her. She She had to gain the horse's trust. And that's what you see a lot of times with sisters. Um, finding fault in everybody <laughs> and closing themselves off. It's a wall that we put up to protect ourselves. It's fear at the end of the day. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you for that question, Buck. And uh, a couple more questions, and I'll get you out of here. 
Um, I mean, I think you've given an example, multiple examples of this, but uh, what can people get from middle-class matchmaker? What, what can they expect from that service? Well, you know, this is my passion, Q, like, I just want to help people find love. At the end of the day, I believe that love is for everybody. It is for everybody. We were created here, on this, put on this earth, to love somebody and to be loved by somebody. And that's what, you know, when I say there's a lid for every pot, there is somebody for you. So when you are restricting and preventing love to come your way, you're doing yourself a disservice. So my work is to help people let down their guards, change their thoughts, attract the love that you deserve and the love that you desire into your life. Um, You don't have to spend the rest of your life miserable and by yourself. You don't have to. You can spend it with a companion, enjoying life together. And I think that we were meant here to walk together as two. Um, Two should be one. That's what I think. So what you can eat for me is um, passion, dedication, dedication. Definitely working on changing your mindset, changing your thoughts, and and changing your beliefs about who you are and what you deserve. And um, you know, I help you understand your your needs, wants, and requirements through dating coaching. And then I have a, a great database of professional African American men and women that I can match you with. And I teach you the skills to introduce yourself to somebody. Some women have these, you know what, one last thing I want to say. When black women, we will say, um, I'm old-fashioned. We've become old-fashioned only with dating and relationships. Now, we're not old-fashioned about going to college, getting a car, getting a house. We're not old-fashioned about getting anything else we want in life. But when it comes down to a man, oh, no, he's got to find me. He's got to come to me. He's got to say something to me. When we when we go out to a bar or to a restaurant, that man has an option of fifty women to choose. And and I know women don't like the whole competition thing, but the truth of the matter is you need to show him why he needs to choose you. You know, we often quote the Bible stories of Ruth and Boaz, but Ruth made herself known to Boaz. Ruth wasn't hiding behind with the rest of the women. She came forward. She even laid at the foot of his bed. She let him know I'm here, choose me. And so there's some things that we might need to do, and I'm not saying, you know, anything out of character or dressing scantily clad, but, yes, you definitely want to show off your assets when you go out. Don't wear a church dress, you know. Definitely, I know these kind of tips I do put in my, my book. But, but And also don't lead with your degrees and don't lead with your money and don't lead with your car, but lead with who you are and what you can bring to the table. Um, I'm a good partner. I'm a good problem solver. I'm a good decision maker. Like, I'm a good encourager. You know, lead with those kind of qualities, your softness. I think that those things, we forget to be soft sometimes yes, Lord. as women. Right. We have to be so aggressive and assertive in the workplace. But when you with the man, let him lead and you be soft because that's what they want and that's what they like. You know, um, it, it's uh, so many things I can tell you, you know, because I'm so passionate about this. But, but yes, um, anyway, those kinds of things you get from me as, as your dating coach and matchmaker. Okay. The game is to be sold and not told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. Sure. So um, 
middle class matchmaker. You have the book. There's a lid for every pot. A dating guide for yeah. single professionals. Shay Promise. Where can people get at you? Where can they find your book? Throw all your social information out there. Absolutely, and thank you again for this opportunity. You can find me on middleclassmatchmaker.com. You can also purchase my book on middleclassmatchmaker.com. I have a dating site, Middle Class Match, um, and right now I have 70,000 professional singles on my site, so you can also look there. If you want my dating coaching and matchmaking services, you can definitely sign up at middleclassmatchmaker.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at middleclassmatchmaker. And, um, yeah, I definitely have a goal this year of matching 100 couples. I've matched 65 um, last, 60, yeah, 67 last year, and my goal is to match 100 this year. So I'm well on my way, three so far. Um, I'm excited about it. All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. And quick question now, are all of those people um, just for the Atlanta area, or this is for all over as far as the database and well, everything? That's a great that's a great question. So primarily when I started my business it was just in the Atlanta area. I do have mm-hmm. two couples who do not live in Atlanta, but this year my goal is to expand. So I'm doing book signings and radio shows all over the country to expand my base so that I can have clients nationwide. That is the goal. I'm also doing a um a Memorial Day beach party. Um on Memorial Day weekend, and that's going to attract, you know, singles nationwide as well. So my goal is to really reach um, people nationwide. Okay. Well, looks like you're on, you're definitely on the way. Um, yes. Because, you know, I stumbled across you. I'm here in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, okay. You know, Crystal's in Detroit, Bucks in Pensacola. I have listeners all up and down, mainly the East Coast and the Southeast. So, um I mean, now they know about you, they know about your book and your service, and they know how to find you. Uh, Middleclassmatchmaker.com is one of the spots where they can get at you and get the book. Absolutely. Well, I uh, appreciate you taking the time to give a round of applause here. I I think what I like about you the most after speaking with you is um, you're reasonable and you're logical. I mean, what you say makes sense, you know, and it, it, it sounds so easy sometimes, but sometimes we need to hear the basics, I mean, and I think that you're very good at making people um, remember things they may have forgotten, simple things, you know, and so I, I definitely would like to have you back on sometime in the future, uh, maybe yes, if I get do. a chance to to read the book myself and, and leave a review on Amazon, I can get you back on afterwards, I'm sure I have some questions. Yes, please. Yeah, you you really will. Uh, two chapters that people often ask me about in the book, one is the man's world um, and two, phenomenal woman. And really I break down our roles and the differences between men and women and that this dating game, men have the upper hand. So a lot of times, sisters, we, 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 we act like it's our call, but they really have the upper hand. And in some, you can like a man, but if he doesn't want you, it's not going to happen. You can want to have sex, but if he don't want to have sex, it's not going to happen. You can want a relationship, but if he doesn't want a relationship, it's not going to happen. You can want to get married, but if he don't want to get married, it's not going to happen. So really, (laughs) men have so much of an upper hand. I don't think men realize they have an upper hand, 
and I don't think women realize that, that men have an upper hand. Something I always get questions on. So, surely when you read that chapter, let me know what you think. Okay, okay. All right, most definitely. And, again, thanks for your time, and I will definitely be in touch. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was Shay Promise from the ATL author, dating coach, certified matchmaker. Enjoyed speaking to her. And um, I, I like some of the things she said as far as, you know, we have to look at ourselves, you know. Um, and I also like what some of the things she said about um, about black dating as far as, you know, a lot of black women don't have a lot of options out here. Uh, you know, guys in jail, like I said, not educated, uh, don't like women or whatever the situation is. And that's something they really have to think about and, and evaluate their approach. And then we as guys, I mean, we have to do a better job of preparing ourselves to be a spouse, you know. And a lot of us too old to be playing the games that we play. So um, I enjoy talking to her, and I look forward to chatting with her in the future. I'm going to take a break, about a minute and some change, and I'll be right back, and we'll get back into this discussion and some other things. Hey, this is Lisa Dean from ChilltownTV.com and Lele's Ultimate Date from Hell, and you are listening to the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. You got me staring, and I can't help it because your body's so amazing. So amazing. Has anybody ever treated you special like an occasion? An occasion. Oh, every single time it gets me, you're always looking sexy. Cause if I lose you, wherever you go, wherever you go, go. It's like you never leave home without it. There ain't no doubt about it. But I'm sure it's news you already know. Oh, oh, baby, where did you get your sexy? Was hoping you could connect me. Being friendship and let's be oh yeah. So sexy, sexy. Three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on the Talk to Q radio show. And um, let me go ahead and get my callers back on. Crystal, Buff, you there? Yep. And, okay, and r- real quick, uh, Crystal and, and Buck, that, that song they just played, that's cool in the gang. I, I had no idea they were still making music. I think that's pretty, that's a nice song. It's a really nice song. I don't know if you all knew that or not. That's cool in the gang. I didn't. I didn't know that either. That's actually a nice little, nice little cut there. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Crystal knows. She knew every. She knows everything. And, uh, nope, never heard. First of all, really? Okay. No, yeah. and I've heard, heard wow. most of the newer uh, things that have come out, and I haven't heard that. It's interesting. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a nice little cut. Where did you get that sex? All right. And uh, my thanks, first of all, to you, Crystal, for bringing Shay to my attention. I wasn't um, even aware of her or some of the things that were said, and she did clarify um, what she meant about the same-sex relationships in the past and things of that nature. But I want to thank you for bringing me to, bringing her to my attention. And, um, and you know, 
I reached out to her, and she responded very quickly. And I also want to thank um, Tamara Grant, uh, who is uh, one of Shay's PR, her PR person, for coordinating everything for me. So thanks to Miss Grant for that. So I appreciate it. All right. Now, um, as far as just to follow up on some of the things she said, uh, first of all, any of you have any follow-ups before I throw anything out there? Agree, disagree with anything? No. Everything is good, man. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I have a, I have a few things. Um, first of all, okay. hey, I um I I do uh, agree with what you have to say regarding fear. Um, fear is is the thing that drives most of us as humans. Absolutely. Um, and the the thing regarding um, that there is I've never really well I've stopped believing that there is a top for every pot. Although I have heard this a lot. Um, yeah. regarding, you know, you have a mate, uh, you're you're meant to have a mate or whatever. And I do agree with that to some extent, but I don't necessarily believe that that is necessarily every person's journey um, is okay. in, in every lifetime is to have a mate. I believe we're, we're, we're sent here to learn some things and there will be some lifetimes that when we come back, to the earth to learn more that sometimes you will be with a mate and sometimes you won't be. And and I think that the whole soulmate idea is not necessarily a romantic mate. That we have soulmates hmm. but they're not necessarily romantic mates. But um but no, I I, I definitely agree with that. Um I also believe that um Jesus would be too goddamn religious for me. So we wouldn't hit it off, although I think that we could be, you know, pretty cool friends, and we'd probably laugh at a lot of things, but um, oh, <laughs> we probably wouldn't oh be romantic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, but, you know, no, I, I agree with the whole, the list as well. I believe if you do have a list, quote-unquote, where you list all the things that you want and that you actually expect a human to meet these lists, whether you're male or female, is ridiculous. But um, I do believe in the list because I believe that's a starting point to figure out yes. where you are. And I do like what she had to say regarding figuring out why these particular things on your list is important. And I think that's a lot of times that we don't really look at. We just say, oh, I want a guy who's six foot 200 pounds, you know, <laughs> whatever, um, a certain, you know, complexion or what eye color, and you say, well, this is the kind of guy I want. Why do you want this kind of guy? Uh, where does that right. come from? And I know why I'm attracted to certain types of, of guys, and I know where it comes from because I've researched it on my own self analytically. I, I know who that guy is. I remember him and um, as a young child. So I think a lot of times those attributes that we give our mate comes from somewhere. 
And um, it's really a good idea to look into research why it is. And then, yeah, some of it's just dreamscape. Some of it's a lot of times people think that it's some something that women saw in a goddamn movie on Lifetime. <laughs> right. I'm really sick of hearing, but it's not true. Um, it's not necessarily true. It comes from somewhere. So I agree with that. We do need to figure out why these attributes on our list is even there in the first place, male or female, really. Um, That's true because that. I've always because after she mentioned that and I started thinking about my list and it made me wonder. Okay, there's certain things we may, may require. Not necessarily because of how it makes us feel. I mean, that's part of it, but also how it may impact others. Like, say, for example, I'm very particular when it comes to grammar. I'm not saying you have to be an English teacher, but, I I mean, someone who talks and they got to say, you know what I mean, after every sentence, or or they say, I seen you the other day, or that. It, it does bother me, but it also kind of bothers me because of how people may perceive you. So is it wrong? And I'm just throwing this out to both of you. Is it wrong to have things on your list that may bother you because of how other people may look at your list? It, it, can, it can be, but at the same time, you don't want to put something on your list and be – you don't want to, you know – I'm going to just say this, price yourself out of a good relationship, so to speak. There's, there's compromise in everything. Um, grammar, honest, you, you really can't worry about how other people perceive your mate because ultimately it's not them that you need to impress. It's, you know, it, the only person that really should matter is you, yourself. You know, a lot of times that, you know, we put things on our list, it's like the best analogy I can give is this. My ex-wife was this way. She was like, sometimes, you know, she wanted to be look like a million, million dollars on a, on a beer budget, okay? So she's trying, to, she's trying to impress everybody from what, you, what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, and all that. But when you go down to a restaurant and you sit down with your family, the people next to you at the tables around you, they don't know anything. They don't know what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, unless they happen to walk out. At the same time you do, what kind of money you have in your bank accounts, okay? The only people you need to impress are the ones at the table. You ain't got to impress anybody else. So at the end of the day, that's the way you really need to think about things. There are certain things okay. that you need to have on that list, but, but there are some things that really don't need to be on it because it's some things you put on that list, you're trying to impress others, and that's really something that you don't necessarily need to do. Right, and I'd understand if it was something superficial, um, but, I mean, Crystal, to play devil's advocate, I see what Buck is saying, but to play devil's advocate, isn't your mate a representative of you? I mean, you may not care if your mate wears sweatpants and a um, a holy T-shirt at home, but if they wear that out in public, isn't that a reflection of you? Well, you know what, yes. And, and when you say that um, you want your mate to – impress, let's say, your mother, and just, let's just say, so your mother, your friend, whoever that means the most to you, you want them to have a good opinion of them. Now, you may think that you, you're wanting your mother to be impressed, but 
there are things about within your with about your mother that has rubbed off on you. So if she um, gives the okay, that means that the things that are most important to you is validated. So therefore, if she is seeing something within that mate um, that maybe you have glossed over because of their looks or whatever, and she's seeing mm-hmm. something beyond that. That's one of the reasons why we bring our mates around our friends, people who are close to them, our family, whoever that may be, children, because they can sense our dogs, because <laughs> they can sense things that maybe we are not um, looking at. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, you wanting to impress the people who mean the most to you, because that I think that is really important, because it really is talking, it is talking about uh, how you feel and what is important to you. Now, I'll give you an example. And for me personally, I have a thing about how a person speaks. And when you talk about grammar, um, not so much just the grammar, grammar, but also how they speak, um, how clear their words are, how fast they speak, um, their accent, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like Southern, Western, or whatever. Boston <laughs> accent, but the way the words that they choose and how they choose to express themselves to me that is a indication of their intelligence. Um, yes. So, and that to me means we can have a conversation that's real, and I can sense that within the first few minutes of having a conversation with them, um, and so that right there is just a. Um, an indication of, of whether or not we're actually compatible on many other levels that we haven't even um, discovered yet. So if you have someone who speaks in a, a slang or who tends to talk this way, and you and the more you get to know them, the more you realize this is not just them trying to be cool. This is who they are. So that that's an indication that you maybe you don't have a lot in common, and. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having those kinds of of thoughts and feelings or whatever. Um, And and I know that, and it's nothing about being embarrassed. Being embarrassed means that it affects you somehow. You know, Mm -hmm. it's affecting you. It's not just affecting the fact that, oh, my guy friends don't think she's cute enough. Maybe really you don't think she's cute enough. You know, or you don't you don't find That's her attractive true. enough, or or there's something yeah. about the fact that she has a big ass and she wears this tight skirt, and maybe she looks like a hoe. Maybe to your friends she's she's fine as hell or whatever, but to you, I don't want my woman to be to look like this. So that has something to do with you. It really all right. falls back on yourself. So I don't think there's anything wrong wrong with what you were saying. You regarding thinking, oh, I want you know my my friends or family, and I want them to embarrass me because that that's important. I re- I really think it is. And sometimes we we shun that away, and not to take away what Buck was saying, because I do hold uh, validation in what he was saying regarding you do have to think about yourself and not just you know you know what, what someone else says. But if it truly right. affects you, then that's important. Yeah. Okay. Very well said. And uh yeah, I, I think, you know, 
if you're having a if you're like a professional and you have an office Christmas party, then you don't necessarily want someone that's going to be the talk of the party for the wrong reasons. Um, because True. they dress like a hoe, or because go. they, you know, they're undereducated and Just can't like really maintain a conversation. Yeah, and so there's so much that goes into that, um, and a lot of people may look at that as. Well, you know, you're being superficial, and I don't think that's the case. I just think that's just um, a compatibility issue, um, in my right. personal opinion. But um, I, I think overall that uh, some of the things that she said, she, she made a lot of great points. And I never really considered when I asked her about the different problems with different cultures I never really considered that there may be some of the reason why white women aren't necessarily as perceived as interested when it comes to finances as black women is because, like Shay said, a lot of them don't have to worry about money, whereas black women need exactly. to know, hey, do you, do you handle your business? Because between me and you, we don't make a lot of money. We don't have the opportunities that maybe um, a white couple has, so I need to know that you can provide and you can hold up your end and everything. So, I mean, I think she makes some great points with that, and that's some things that we need to consider. But she did say, you know, it's not something that they should lead with. It shouldn't be the focus. However, it is something that is important, and someone shouldn't be necessarily blackballed because of it. So uh, I definitely look forward to having her back on again. I really enjoyed the conversation. All right. Well, I want to say something um, about um, – oh, sure. Yeah. Now, I, just to, I want to touch on that whole race thing um, <clears throat> because, you know, I've been with men and married to men who who were white in other races. And um, I wanted to say that, that actually there is a difference between the two, and, and I'm sure Buck can speak to this, but uh, there is a difference between the races. And, and I don't really mean this in a... Um, racial way or derogatory way, but there is a difference because of our backgrounds, because of culturally. I think when a, when I look at a black man, I have different expectations and different um, prejudices or whatever that come uh-huh. with him that I do not have for a white guy or a guy of another race, or at least another race that's not necessarily close closely ethnic to blacks, like maybe Hispanics or whatever, very close in our um, culture. But um, when my experience is with the difference between black men and white white men is that um, the feeling is different, um, is a lesser, well, I found that it was a, it was a less, feeling of having to take care of him emotionally. And and a lot of it was also because of I know the culture, I know what he's been through or know what he's um, been exposed to as opposed to a um, white guy who has a completely different cultural background and his thought processes are a little different, and at least from my experience. Um And I found it very, I found it easier to be with him um, without having to um, talk about certain things or argue about certain things or 
and not so much argue with each other, but just argue about life. Yeah. You know, I don't know if maybe it's different for us, but I know I had that that's, experience. That's true to a certain extent, but I really think that 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 really kind of comes down to upbringing too. Um, it depends on how diverse sure. your your family is. Like for me. Um, my great 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 grandfather was actually white. So my grandmother, there was a lot of people that saw my grandma and thought she was actually white. But you know, she just was really. I mean, and she looked like a white woman actually, but she was black. And all her sisters were that color, her brothers were that color, and so forth. But when you know, plus my mom was a school teacher, so and my dad was in the military. So when you when you come, it really depends to me what you know what your upbringing is and when it comes to that you know how did they raise you i mean my family you know grandmother came up you know when where in a time where there was white and black bathrooms and you know my mom came up in the you know in the 50s and 60s so you know there was there was so much diversity i mean when i was coming up in the 70s my mom listened to soft rock music in the morning and i was listening to doggone jane brown in the evening so Grandma like Elvis in Alabama of all people, you know, so there was so much diversity in the household. I think that, you know, when you come up in a household that's very, very diverse, it changes some things, with, you know, with that person. And, you know, and if you come up in a house that has that much diversity, I think that that helps you grow as a person. And you might not see some things, you might not see things like, per se, other black people may see that came up in the hood and didn't have the diversity in the house. So if you have diversity, you tend to lean towards women that that are diverse, so to speak. So I kind of I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also think it has a little bit to do with upbringing as well on, you know, how much diversity you had in your household as you were coming up. Okay. Well, of course, our upbringing has a lot to do with how we look at things. It kind of shapes us one way or another. Sometimes we fall in line with what our parents do. Sometimes we do the complete opposite. Um, But it definitely has an impact nonetheless. So, but, um, I mean, overall, I I really think that it's been an interesting discussion. And I, I think that a lot of us have to like she said, just kind of evaluate ourselves. And that's what she says she's capable of doing, um, evaluating, you know, helping you to evaluate yourself and figure out what you can do on your end. Because essentially if you handle things on your end, then, you know, that that's, that's half the problem right there, taking care of that. You know, I got to figure out what it is on my list that I need to eliminate that may not be important, uh, something that could be holding me back from, finding happiness again, and I'm sure all of us have something on our list that we can probably do without. Uh, we have some who probably need to add something to their list. <laughs> we got some people who yeah. just want anybody, you know. You can't just, and that's what she said is, um, you know, an example of people settling. Or you like, I don't care if he beats me, I don't care if he cheats on me, as long as he comes home every night. Now nah, you got you got to do better than that. You got to do better than yeah. that. So, well, it's too bad she wasn't able to um, hang out and answer some more questions and stuff. So, yeah, I didn't know exactly how long I could I, I would have with her, 
So I didn't want to hold mm-hmm. her too long. I appreciate her taking the time she did. But like I said, that's just another reason for me to bring her back. And we'll have more, and I'll have something set up for her to hang out. All right, so a couple of things on the political spectrum that I want to get to before we wrap things up. Um, first of all, I, I got to talk about closing the borders. And, and, Crystal, I'll start with you. I mean, Trump closed the borders in seven countries. Um, what's your take on that? As far as, you know, can it help prevent terrorism? How do you feel about it? Well, first of all, it doesn't help to um, prevent terrorism. He's full of shit. Um, This has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with um, terrorism. It has nothing to do with any of that shit. First of all, on the one hand, it does help his um, supporters, his primary supporters, uh, because they are drinking the Kool-Aid, <laughs> so they get it, and they're being appeased. Uh-huh. Um, and also, he did not, if you want to talk about Muslims, there's more Muslims in Saudi Arabia. None of them are banned. Uh, and and the different parts that he didn't, he didn't ban the entire Muslim, Muslim world. He only banned so why do you these think he particular two. He... Because they are not a part of the banking system that um, ah. that the rest of them are. Okay, so uh, this is all bullshit. None of them, also, none of them, of course, are um, where any of his hotels and resorts are. Um, so it's all a bunch of crap, really. I mean, that's just basically how I look at it. It's a bunch of crap. But it also appeals to, like I said, uh, part of him saying, well, see, my promises are being kept. I'm doing what I said I was going to do, even though he knows that by signing these executive orders, it doesn't matter because Congress still has to say, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Um, just like with his appointees. Um, so he's just doing it, and then, it, you know, they can say, you know, no to it or whatever. Oh, God. I'm just waiting on him being to be shot. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, well, I'm about to put this this disclaimer on a, on a recorder so I can play it. <laughs> but the Talk to Cube Radio Show does not condone the assassination of political leaders. I'm about to put that on a. Or you gonna have on um, the Secret Service tapping your phones? Um, yeah, I guess more than Whatever, what they probably already yeah. do. <laughs> and uh, Buck, what's your, what's your take on it? Because I agree with Crystal about first of all, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia was not part of the ban, and no, uh, it when it comes to 9/11, most of those people were Saudis, right? Most of the people involved in 9/11. Or Saudis? Yes, I think you can't take the ban seriously because you didn't ban every uh, Muslim co- uh, country. Uh, but yeah, in the but, end, it's not know, necessarily a religious thing. It's more of a terrorist thing. But uh, go yeah. ahead with your point, Buck. My, my point is this. This ain't the first time a president has banned certain people from being in the United States. Uh, this has gone all the way back to Chester A. Arthur. Um, Calvin Coolidge did it. Theodore Roosevelt did it. Franklin D. Roosevelt did it. 
Hell, the U.S. Congress did it in 1917. Um, the Democrats controlled both the uh, both the Senate and the House, and they banned Asian and Pacific Islanders until 1952. Congress passed it, uh, passed them to uh, be unbanned. Um, President Woodrow Wilson did it. Jimmy Carter did it. Ronald Reagan did it five times. George W. Bush did it. Bill Clinton did, Clinton did it six times. Even Barack Obama did it. Those those are the presidents that have banned certain ethnicities during their presidential during their presidency. So it's not uncommon for this to happen. However, with Trump, it's a little bit different because, I mean, I don't. I mean, I do think we need to do something to curb the terrorists to a certain extent, but we really need to dig a little bit deeper because. I mean, the, the terrorist ter- terrorism now is a little bit different because now it's it's on social media, okay? And I think we as a we as a country kind of let it slide through the cracks a little bit. You know, it's not just Muslim guys that's doing this. We would like to. I mean, everybody is perceived that that's that's what's doing it, but it's not that. I mean, it's not just them. Um, now, I'm not in any shape or form backing Trump. I, I mean, I think that. He has not done his due diligence in far, you know, he's just signing executive orders and just, you know, it looks like he's doing a whole lot of stuff. He is doing a lot of stuff, but, he's, he, you know, he's separating families here. Um, there's a lot of people that um, are being separated for, you know, and they're qualified as American people and they have, you know, they, they've been going in and out of the country with no problems. I think what he needed to do is get his team and sit them down a little bit and find out who are the real people that we need to get rid of before you just start, you know, just starting to get, you know, just stop all the people from coming in the country. Okay. So I just think that his team need, you know, since he does not have the experience, um, I think we're going to see a whole lot more of this from time to time as, you know, these next few days roll around. But as he gets his feet up under him, maybe, you know, maybe some of this will change. But I just think that in order for something to change, we just can't keep letting the Republicans just, you know, it's supposed to be a balance between Republicans and Democrats. And now Democrats have been vetoed, you know, been boycotting and all this other bullshit instead of actually standing up for what they were voted in office for in the first place. It's time to get their ass to work. I mean, since the Republicans are gotten, you know, control of the House and the Senate, a few Democrats that are left, they need to stand up and start doing something and start, you know, start fighting back. Um, otherwise, you know, he, you know, it's just going to, you know, he's going to keep running them up. So um, I just think he should have taken a little bit more time before he started doing this ban. I do agree something needs to be done to secure our borders because I think for a long time we have not. Um, but I think yeah. the way he's doing it is definitely the wrong way. And, um, I think he needs a little bit more time to get some people that have some experience in that in that realm to kind of help him out with that before he just started, you know, just start banning everybody and then they can't get back to see their families. There's people that, you know, are overseas for on business with companies like, you know, Apple and, you know, all these big companies um, that we have here and they can't get back to their families because, you know, they're, you know, from somewhere else. And to me that's just not right. So I just think that things need to be done differently before you just go ahead and just, you know, you can't just put it all, you know, everybody in one basket. 
You have to be able right, to be right. tactful enough. And that was one of the things that really concerned me about Trump because he's not tactful. He's, he's in your face, you know. Let's do it now and ask questions later. Well, that's going to cause more problems for you down the road. I agree. And, I, I mean, I, I definitely think something has to be done. I don't know if this is the answer. Um, I mean, it's ironic that, that Republicans will say, well, if you ban guns, it won't stop mass shootings. Yet they feel like they can ban Muslims and stop terrorism. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's one of those deals where I think the vetting process should be better, and that's the only thing you should work on, work on improving the vetting process. Uh, I, I just don't think you can just stop everything cold turkey like that and somehow well, get things let me, to improve. Let me add. Let me add this, too. A lot of people that come from other countries that want to come to the United States. Um, somebody posted this on Facebook the other day, and I can't remember who it was. But one of my friends actually posted where a guy had actually had been trying to become an American citizen for 10 years. Okay. Why do you think there's so many illegal people over here? Because the fucking process is screwed up. It shouldn't take 10 years for you to be a United States citizen. Now, granted. You do have paperwork you got to fill out. You got to fill it, follow it out, fill it out to the letter. I'm quite sure you have to be, you know, you have to, you know, be checked out, background checks, and all that kind of stuff. But once the process, all that process is done, get, you know, go ahead, get, you know, let you be a U.S. citizen and get it over with. The paperwork is horrendous that they have to go through to do that. It should not take eight, ten years to make you a citizen in this country, and that's the reason why we have so many illegals here. And a lot of the illegals may be good people, but in order I mean, to let's you know get them legal, too. you got to you got to you got to streamline the process. Let's ask ourselves this too: When was the last time we had, I, I guess, a terrorist attack attacked by by a foreigner? Was it the shooting in Orlando? Was that the last one? Yeah, I think so. But I, I yeah, well, basically, someone who I mean, wasn't from yeah. Yeah, well, by someone who well, wasn't necessarily well, he was born here. I think I don't think his parents were. Yeah, yes, he was still he was. an American. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that doesn't count. So and yeah. I mean, it makes you wonder how long it's been since someone who wasn't an American citizen has actually committed a terrorist act in the United States. So I'm kind of curious to how far we got to go back before that happens. Um, well, and I, I don't, don't think, think it's because. I don't think you can... I don't think you can really look at it. It's not just terrorist acts that they're doing. It's, I mean, those guys, some of these guys are doing other things like drugs, murder, um, assaults, rapes. You know, it's those things too. So it's not just. I mean, that like, might be true, but I'm of, talking about, I mean, I'm talking about things on a global scale as far as something that equates yeah. to shutting down the border. You're not going to shut down the border over a rapist. I mean, I'm talking about like, no. mass killings and things of that nature. Um, I mean, we have to go you back probably a pretty long way for, for you know, yeah. for to find something. And, and again, it doesn't yeah. mean that you don't concern yourself with it. I'm just saying that um, we, we got to consider what we're talking about here. We're, we haven't, it hasn't gone this long simply because the Homeland Security is good at what they do. Because we all realize you can pretty much get almost anything on an airplane these days. I mean, yeah. those people don't always check. Uh, I yeah. mean, shoot, my brother just, my brother boarded the airplane in Chicago, then realized he had bullets in his shaving kit. 
you know. So, uh, I mean, there's ways to get things on an airplane. But it's a matter of, you know, is it a real threat? Is it something that we have to get to the point to where we're shutting down the border because it's a huge problem? I think that's what needs to be evaluated. I think that politicians, um, especially on the GOP side, are very good at using fear to get us to do what we want them to do, uh, do what they want us to do and kind of fall in line because, you know, they talk about, oh, we got voter fraud and all this other stuff. You never find any evidence of it, at least not on a global scale. You know, you got Donald Trump talking about three, four million votes. We ain't saying nothing even close to that. And we have people talking about, you know, we have to defend the country from terrorists. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a terrorist attack. I mean, most of us are more afraid of Americans than we are Muslims right about now. So I think people need to kind of just really stop listening and start paying attention. Because um, it's one thing to talk a good, uh, a good talk, but we got to look at what's really going on in this country. And right now our problem is not Muslim-related as far as the problems we have in this country. Um. Also, tonight, uh, President Trump nominated Neil, I think his name is Gorsuch. Gorsuch. He's uh, as the yeah. chief uh, the justice uh, for the Supreme Court. So this guy is 49 years old. He's very young, so he has conservative values. This is someone who can be on the Supreme Court for the next 30 years or so. You know, a lot of them are usually older. This guy's young, so he's going to be there for a minute. Uh, so that's something that just happened this evening. And, I, I mean, as far as that's concerned, Crystal, now that this guy's been nominated, of course the Democrats may decide to filibuster and um, his fate can rest in the hands of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but when people get nominated, I mean, should they just go ahead and just let them go through or – uh, if you're well, let me let me back up. Let me back up. If you're a Democrat, do you vote against this guy simply because he's conservative, or do you really look at his comp, his qualifications and vote that way? What's your strategy as well, a Democrat? Well, I would look at um, what is what is his belief system as far as what has he done in the past, and when you talk about conservatism and, and liberal. Uh, you're not just saying this person is a Republican or this person is Democrat, but it happens to fall into mm-hmm. those categories because um, some of the um, policies and the laws that they stand behind does fall whether you're a liberal or whether you are uh, conservative. And um, this, this is your belief system. When we come to a Supreme Court justice, yes, they're looking at the law and they're looking at um, – presidences as far as, um, you know, past um, lawsuits that have been won, et cetera. But they're also going to vote on their own belief system. That's why it's so important to have a supreme just, um, judge who is in there who has more of an open mind and who will look at things more objectively. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, for conservative uh Republicans, they are not that objective. They are pretty rigid in the way they think about things. And to me, the Supreme Court is all about looking at things from all sides. 
And I don't know if, um, you know, this person, I don't know that much about this person, um, so I don't know what his belief system other, other than the fact that he's conservative, which, which right. says that he is not going to be on the side of women. He's not going to be on the side of many minorities who are actually the majority. They're not. He's not going to be um, on the side of a lot of the more progressive types of um, lawsuits that may be coming forward. So, um, yeah, so this, this is, of course, a concern. And uh, the fact that, and again, this is just another way of, of appeasing. We knew that whatever judge he would choose would be conservative, so that this is no shock uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, you know, the thing is, I, and I've said this many times, the thing is not so much, I, I, I hate the whole bipartisan thing. I hate the whole, well, you're you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, or whatever. I'm more about just look at the, look at the person, look at what what do they what do what do they stand for, or what have you. But the the problem is, I have to fall back to the American people. American people are very. Uh, we talked about this before. Very lazy uh, when it comes to the whole political process. They don't want to learn about what's really going on. They don't want to learn about the law. They don't want to do their research, even though right now is the, the easiest thing to do. All you have to fucking do is Google. Google. You know, you want to know about something? Just You can even just put in the question, what the hell is Google? And Google will tell you what Google is. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just it's so easy these days, but we don't want to do that. So what happens is someone like a Trump can come in or any other politician can come in and say whatever soundbite, whatever fear-mongering um, thing that they are they, that they know. This is how Trump won. People want to know, how the hell did this idiot won? This is how he won. He won on fear. He won on propaganda. Um, he won on taking who is not being looked at, who is not being listened to, what are they most afraid of. So let's put that out there. That's how he won. Do you think any of those things mean a shit to him? No. So we have to, as a people in America, and I know they always want to say, if you don't like America, go back to Africa, go back to, I'm not from Africa. I'm from right here. I'm from right fucking here. I am a black American. I'm from right here. So I'm not going anywhere. And this is my country. This is the Native Americans' country. This is the immigrants' country. So we need to learn about our own even if you're Muslim, and that's another thing. How are you going to say if you are Muslim that you don't belong here? And I live in the capital, capital of the capital yes, of, of Muslim society right here in Detroit, a.k.a. Dearborn, where there are, yes, Chaldeans who are Christians, and where there are Muslim and Arab Americans who live here. They come here. These, this is where the Syrians and others Usually come on the prim- primarily across the other in the other states, but primarily in yeah. Detroit because of the population that is here. They come here and they have sanctuary here, and yeah, 
they're in uproar right now of just pure fear. You want to talk about terrorism? This is what spawns terrorism. We didn't have Absolutely. a lot of Muslim terrorism in America. America is home motherfucking grown. And you know why? Because we're a bunch of fucking hypocrites. A bunch of hypocrites. And we're bullies as a, as a country, meaning the government. And, and no one, and people get sick and tired of it. You want to know about um, terrorism? Well, you need to ask a Palestinian terrorism. If you think that for one thing, for one thing, you think that this America is not going to turn into a Palestine state regarding, the, you know, Palestine regarding Israel. You want, to, you want to talk about fighting with all you have when you have nothing. Think about that because that's what it's going to come to. But people are tired and they're sick. And that's why every whatever presidency has, you come into, pres, come into the president, you're, you're elected, and every, every since you've been elected, even before, people are protesting you, not protesting just laws or the cops or different. They're protesting you. Think about that for a second. I don't, I'm sorry, I'm still in bizarro land. And it's just it's just upsetting to me the more I think about it. But um, I think the the American people need to be a little bit more like the Palestinian people, and they need to be a little bit more like the French government people who say, "I am the reason why you are elected, so you are going to, you work for me." And in America, we just allow them to run amok, and this is what happens. So we need to pay pay more attention, and I'm hoping maybe the good thing that comes out of Trump's presidency is the fact that people will start paying a little bit more attention to what's going on. So okay. that's my thought, even though I may or may not as have answered she, any question you just have asked. <laughs> as she steps on our soap, steps off our soapbox. Yeah, sorry. That's all uh, good. Sound good. That's cool. That's cool. She's in Eminem mode tonight. Nothing wrong with that. It's all good. Speak it. <laughs> and, um, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I just know if every Muslim got up and left this country, this country would shut down. You think about how many of them own things from convenience stores to bodegas and taxi cabs and, um, shoot, the doctors that we would lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. I mean, and some of these guys. And then the Mexicans, I mean, hell, even California yeah. is like, I think I want out of this shit. I mean, the Texas has thought about it themselves uh, and because there's so many um, immigrants there. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you something, America. All the, all the doctors and, um, and people, scientists of that nature are, are usually of Muslim or Hindu uh, descent or, or something of that nature. Yep. So, And I know a lot of people get them confused, a lot of Indian People get called Muslim, even though they're from India. So, uh, yeah. you know, we got to be careful well, who we Pakistanis run out of the country. Are, a lot of Pakistan, right. Pakistanis are actually uh, Muslim, um, but a lot of um, India from Indians, uh, from, uh, Indians from India are are not necessarily Muslim, but, but uh, you know, like half of them are, and the other half yeah. are, are Hindu and other. But yeah. the thing yeah. is, to say that Christian is the, is this a Christian land? I mean, I thought I was in the land of religious freedom. I thought this was the country of the free. Well, see, you this know? is the whole this is the whole problem with this country. 
the right now this whole country is, is is divided because and it's divided because of ignorance, and that's what is really divided. Right away, we have dumbed down America to the point to where the first thing smoking is the first thing we jumping on, and we we as Americans, you know, and I, I've said this several times on the show, the generation that that we're that we're a part of are the last of the Mohicans. We're the ones that's going to have to straighten it out because we've come up during we've come up during a time where we saw racism as a whole end to a certain extent. Um, we saw television come in, color TV, um, you know, so many, you know, the computer age and all this kind of stuff. We're the last of the Mohicans because we're the ones that get it. The ones behind us don't. We're the ones that have to straighten us out. I'm not we sure all of us eyes do. Open. We have to keep our eyes open because right now, we have a we have a bumbling idiot as a president, and if we don't keep our eyes open, this country is going to, is going to be in a civil war. So we as a nation, uh, I mean, we got to pay attention, and, and we have to put back, we have to put aside the differences and the the idiocracies, and 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 see what's me, real. Let me tell you why I don't I don't I agree with what you're saying. I agree, and I don't necessarily put all this on Trump. We had problems before him. But I, no, I tell you where I am. I tell you where I, I feel like it's almost an impossible task to overcome. Right now, the reason we're so divided as a country is because we have places we can go to find people who think like we do. Okay. Now, if I want to um, only find t- um, news that talks about Republicans like a dog. I can go to MSNBC, okay? So I don't have to hear anything related to Republicans other than what they're not doing over on MSNBC, all right? If I want to find someone who agrees with me on my views, I can go on Twitter and only follow people who agree with me, you know? Or I can go on Facebook and only friend people and go into a group where, you know, people against Donald Trump. And I can go in that group and we can talk about Donald Trump all day. So... When you do that, you don't learn anything from someone else's perspective. You're basically regurgitating the same old thing, all right? And that's why I feel like this country is so divided, because you have people who don't have to listen to anyone else's argument. They don't. They just go where people are going to agree with them, and they go from there. I mean, that's why whenever um, we have a news station here, and I'm sure news stations all over the country do this, they'll post a question of the day on their Facebook page. And some of the comments are so ugly because you have people who have been listening to the same thing over and over again. Now all of a sudden you get someone else's perspective and it sounds so foreign to you that it's almost offensive, you know, and people get well, easily offended. That's, that's but the reason why I say we at its high. And I mean, it's almost like, how do you fix it at this point? Because there are a bunch of places on the internet I can go and find people who agree with me and have a rah-rah corner rather than hear someone else's point of view. The very reason why we have to, the ones that us that have sense and can see both sides, they're actually, to be in all honest with you, that's something you can take from both sides and meet in the middle. However, that's what, it's going to take more people like that to be able to be, be rational enough to look at both sides and come to a happy medium and bring bring us back together. 
that's really what it's going to take. Uh, I mean, you can go to these different, you know, there's something that you can be gathered from CFNBC or Fox News or from Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, right. any right. of them things. If you can only but get people to watch to, all of them. Yeah, so the thing is, is that you got to be smart enough. And that's why I say we have to kind of be, since we're the generation that's kind of pretty much seen it all, this living right now, we got to be smart enough to understand and realize that, hey, you know, this is not real, this is real. And, or it, maybe a little bit of, it, maybe we can use a little bit of that, maybe not so much of that. And we've we got to be able to come, we've got to be able to meet a common ground. And it's going to take people to be able to look at both sides and come to come to an agreement versus doing all this fight. And that's really what it's going to take. And, I mean, and we have to look at it from all sides and draw a little bit because I'm, I'll be the first one to say, you can always learn something from somebody else. And you can't ex- actually do it exactly like them. Take a little bit you learn from this person, a little bit you learn from that person, and come up with your with a common, you know, with a common ground. And that's what we have to do as an Americans, and that's what made this country great to begin with. Is taking a little bit from each, you know, from each thing that you exactly. learn as you go through life to make, you know, to you know, reach a common goal. And that's what we have to and, do, and we've lost sight of that. And that's why people need to turn off the TV and tune into the Talk to Q Radio Show every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, where you can hear all kinds of different perspectives. All right, you can hear Crystal talk about, you know, uh, her opinion on dating and what men should or should not be doing. You can hear Ray talk about how, you know, Trump has good ideas. You can hear Eminem talk about how he can legalize prostitution or Buck talk about having balance. You get all of that here on T2Q. No experts, just opinions, but some really good opinions. That's what it's all about. Go to TalkToQ.com. Sign up for the email newsletter. Um, Tomorrow, zone coverage, 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll go ahead and get into final thoughts. Great show. I really enjoyed this show. I really needed this because I was mentally tired, and I had, for some reason, I felt like this show was going to pick me up, and it's definitely done that. It got me recharged and my brain cells sparking again. Um, tomorrow, uh, Lawrence Fishburne stars in a, I think it's a miniseries, a two-night miniseries on BET about Nelson Mandela. So if you get a chance to check that out, check it out. We'll see if as many people tweet about that as they did about the new edition pop in last weekend, which I heard was really good. I recorded it. hadn't watched it yet. Um, so we'll get into your final thoughts. Also, I saw today that a girl who is transgender at the age of eight, was let into the Boy Scouts, and now Boy Scouts can be transgender. So Boy Scouts aren't necessarily boys or weren't necessarily born boys anymore. Um, If you have a comment on that, that's fine. If not, give us your final thoughts about my guest, Shay Primus, and um, matchmaking and dating and all that good stuff. And if you have any comments on closing the borders and the new just as they got nominated, you can add that as well. And, Crystal, I will start with you. All right. Well, um, good show. Thanks for your um, commercial there. Uh, very, very interesting. Um, <laughs> a nice way you just weave that right in there. Nice little segue. I know, right? I know, right? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, first of all, I enjoyed um, Shay. You said Primus is her last name. 
Yes. I was going to call it yes. premise. Okay. Um, you know, as far as matchmakers are concerned, if I see if she could matchmake me, she would be a miracle worker. Okay. That would I be amazing. I would want to pay the fee for her to try. For her to try. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> Talk about Jesus. Oh my God, second coming, definitely. Uh, but anyway, um, she has some really good points uh, about relationships and everything, and and we do need to let go again of our fears, which is the thing, like I said before, that really rules us on all levels of our life, not just relationships, but it's, of course relationships are a big part of our life. But um, we should broaden, yet, but not lessen ourselves to find a new mate. I think each decade or less we change and we have to reevaluate what we truly want or whatever. But, um, again, it goes back to deal breakers. What is your deal breaker? So instead of having a list of everything you want, maybe have a list of your deal breakers and make sure that that person is not one of those deal breakers. And, and even though they're fine they're a deal breaker, then you have to let them go after you have sex at least once. Let it go. Now, as far as the Boy Scouts transgender, I heard about that um, this evening, and um, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I can't. That I don't think that's... It's fucking Boy Scouts. Is there nothing sacred left? I mean... If you, if the, if the child, first of all, the child couldn't be actually, um, have had the operation. So, if you want to have a transgender boys or scouts, not even you can't, you can't be boy scouts, but just scouts, uh, or have an open where it's just scouts, period, and it's not like boy or girl, and they just wanted to do a, you know, just a scouts group or troop. I think that's fine, and then they can open it up to transgender. But I don't know. I just really don't think that's necessary to change the policy um, and still have it as Boy Scouts. Um, or I, I, I just don't agree with that. I think if you're going to do that, then just open it up and just say Scouts and just drop the boy, drop the girl, and just say Scouts, period. But, you know, there are things um, that boys learn as young kids. I think that it just needs to be them. They need to learn about themselves with just boys. And I think the same thing for girls. There are things that are gender-specific. And even though, yes, um, you're saying that there is a transgender boy or girl who feels they belong in this particular gender and not their a birth gender, I think it's a different experience. I, I just really do. And so I think there's some things that just should be left alone. Um, I don't know. So I, I just don't agree, agree with that at all. I just, I just don't. Um, but anyway, um, really good show. I'm glad you were reinvigorated and all that. Uh, so hopefully um, you will continue <laughs> And everything, um, but I, I thought the show was um, really good tonight, and 
is there some sort of game coming up this weekend or something you guys are going to talk about tomorrow? Yeah, I believe there is an important game that comes up. Yeah, yeah down yeah. in Houston. It's called the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, whatever. I right, may have yeah. heard of it. So, <laughs> no, I used to love the Super Bowl. It used to be one of my big things. Uh, that was one of my deal breakers. You know, guy has to love football or he's out. I mean, what kind of guy doesn't love football? That's crazy. It's insane. So, that's one of my oh. deal breakers still. Oh, yeah. But anyway. All right, um, I got to reevaluate that list. Come on, Chris. No, that, that's on, a deal you got, breaker. You, you don't love football. <laughs> Forget about it, man. You know, who the fuck are you? Seriously? You can possibly have a penis without loving football. That's just a. So, in other words, if he doesn't love football, that makes you leery about what he's not telling you uh, about this same yeah. sex experience. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And yes, deal breaker. If you have even <laughs> contemplated having sex with another man, we're done here, okay? You want to get rid of Crystal? That's all you have to say. That's all you have to say, and I'm gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought about sleeping with my roommate in college. We're done. Okay, you got rid of me. <laughs> I won't be texting you. I won't be calling you, and I definitely won't be stalking you, so we're good. So, yeah. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. Great job tonight. But go ahead, man. Shut it down. <clears throat> we as American people, regardless uh-huh. of, you know, we, we know what we, you know, we got who we have. We as American people better keep our eyes open because, you know, thing, things are really, you know, really crucial in, in this United States. But at the same time, we can't believe everything we read everything we see on TV or everything we see on the Internet. There has to be a common sense factor in this country. And right now we're just not using it. Um, I think we as Americans, you know, we have dumbed down the American, the American society to the point to where now it's almost hard to resurrect. Do I think we still have a chance to do that? Yes, of course we do. But at the same time, we have to get make sure we have the right leaders in place and the right people in place to do that. Um, it's going to take a concentrated effort to do it. Um, it's going to take people standing up that haven't normally stood up. It's going, to, it's going to take people that normally don't say anything to say things in order for us to kind of get back on track. Because right now we're off the rails, whether anybody wants to believe it or not. Um, look at the markets. The stock market went over 20,000, 20, 200,000, whatever it was. Now it's dropping, and it's dropping quick. The global economy is going down, all because of one person. Now, this man is the man, the man that's in this office just went on vacation this week, okay? And he ain't been in the office but you know, a few days. If that don't tell you something, we got to wake up, America. We got to make changes. We got to make the necessary changes we need to save our not only save ourselves but save this country. So, you know, common sense. Is where I, the common sense approach is where we need to be. We need to come together with common sense. We need to look at both sides and, you know, come together as a group because that's the only way we're going to be successful and put this, make this, that's how you make America great again, not by a whole bunch of stupid-ass laws and, and separating people. We got to stand together as one unit because even in the Bible it says by the end of time we're all going to be as one. 
There ain't going to be whites, blacks, Chinese, Indian, Haitians. We're going to be all one color. And that's going to be the color of our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, as far as relationship goes and what we, should, what we expect, we can go common sense again, but we also can. And another thing here is communication. You know what you like in a person, okay? You know what you like. And, yeah, I mean, we do make lists from time to time, that, you know, for things that we like, the deal breakers, what have you. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, sometimes we kind of get misguided sometimes. Sometimes we try to base things on past relationships or certain things that person did. You try to write them down as something that you like going forward. And that may be, not, that may be something that really you just did for that person, and it's not going to work for your next person, and therefore – you know, you lose out on a great human experience. So really, you know, when you get out of a relationship, you really need to kind of take a step back and look and see what you really like. Rediscover yourself. Um, Forget about the other person. Don't even try to see somebody else. What you need to do is reevaluate yourself and really find out what you like. Go out by yourself sometimes. Go to different movies. Go out, maybe just go to a club one night, even though you may not be in the club scene. Just go out and just kind of feel around. I'm not saying bring somebody home with you. What I'm saying is reevaluate you. Find out what you like. And so then once you do those things, find out the hobbies you like. You might not like the same hobbies you did 20 years ago. You, You know, find out what you like and then put a plan of action together. So, therefore, you can have a relationship that's worth, worth fulfilling. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that because they, some people just don't like to be by themselves. Well, if you don't like to be by yourself, you might end up with somebody that's worse than what you had, what you just got rid of. Because, you, you know, that goes to, you know, settling. So, find out what you like first. You know, take some time between, between relationships. Find out what you like. Put it together and make sure it's something sensible and not something that's unattainable. Other than that, great show. There's a lot of a lot of great feedback tonight, and everybody enjoy the rest of your week. All right. Very well said, sir. Thank you very much. And uh, like I said, I enjoyed the show tonight. Really enjoyed it. Give you all a round of applause. I enjoy my guest, Kay Promise. You can check out her book, There is a Lid for Every Pot, A Dating Guide for Single Professionals. You can get that. Um, she says you can find it on her website over at middleclassmatchmaker.com. So at some point, I'm going to get her book and, and check it out uh, and do a review on it right now. I started a book called The Volunteer by Crystal Hickerson. So I'm going to be reading that and doing a review on that. So I'm trying to do more reading and do more book reviews. So you all can look forward to that over on my blog at thankyou.me once I get done with that. All right. Um, again, my thanks to Shay Promise, my show legends for bringing the pain like they normally do. You can go sign up for my email newsletter at talktoq.com and keep up with the show, when it airs, what we're discussing, all that good stuff. Podcast dropping on Thursday. Look out for that. Um, zone coverage tomorrow. Talking the to Super Bowl. I'm going to reach out to my man, D. Wright, of the Green Chump Show. 
because I'm pretty sure he may have something to say about his Falcons. So I'll see if I can get him on to give his two cents about the Falcons. And we'll break down the Super Bowl uh, coming up Sunday, Super Bowl 51. We'll talk about the uh, Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton fight from over the weekend. Great fight. Great undercard fight as well uh, with uh, Mikey, Mikey. Oh, what's Mikey's last name? But I'm drawing a blank. They knocked the guy out in the third round. Mikey, uh, I can't think of his name. Anyway, we'll talk about him and his um, amazing fight on Saturday as well. So everyone have a great night. Totally enjoyed this. And we'll do it again next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Um, I've reached out to Mary LaBelle and Vanity Strokes. So I want to have them on next Tuesday. I don't have a confirmation. But, you know, anytime I have them on, we're talking sex, something we haven't done in quite some time. So that's what I'm reaching out for next week. And um, tie that into Valentine's Day. Of course, that's upcoming in a couple of weeks. Uh, but everyone have a great night. Peace out. You've been listening to the Talk of Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Call it, go ahead. Oh, that came out. Oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what I meant. <laughs> you want to be my blog lover. My name is Quincy. The Talk to Q Radio Show. But I do believe that the love for money and power most of the time outweighs their love for women. And this is my show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying, too. I think I was just doing a lot of shows with this. This ain't too good. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? <laughs> 